It's Thursday, April 11th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and joining me in studio, we have Motley Fool analysts Andy Cross and Ron Gross. Gentlemen, welcome. How are we doing? Hey, good. Matt. How Great. are you, sir? Thanks for having us. I'm good. Good to have you here. We have lots to talk about. We've got well, Jeff Bezos out with his annual letter, and he is talking some smack. <laughs> it's good stuff. It is good stuff. We'll get to that. We've got some more Tesla news involving their big gigafactory in Nevada. and Not as big as maybe yesterday. Not as big. <laughs> gigafactory one. And guys, and I want to give our listeners fair warning, we're going to talk about an incredibly disturbing story. Of course, we're talking about the prequel to the movie Grease. Yes, they are talking about making a prequel. Ah, Disturbing. So many thoughts, so many things to say. I'll I'll save it. It's so wrong on so many levels. Or so right. I don't think so. We'll get into it. Okay. Tell me more. Okay. So, (laughs) let's begin, though, with a big IPO. PagerDuty went public on Thursday, and shares were up more than 60%. Now, Ron, this is a software company with a really, really bad name. <laughs> let's just, let's just establish that. It is unfortunate. So, what exactly is PagerDuty, and why the excitement here? So, as a Motley Fool's tech expert, I think this is certainly appropriate for me to answer. Perfect. Thank you for coming to me. I appreciate it. Uh, sarcasm. So, it's, it's a software company that basically it absorbs the signals from all the software that your company is throwing out there, whether you use Slack or Okta or, or all the different software systems it's that, a lot of that your company is. It's a lot of signals. They interpret it. They decide if any action is needed, if there's anything going wrong, any glitches, any problems, and then they'll send that information to the appropriate person in the organization so the problem can be resolved. Makes perfect sense. Lots of companies need uh, software such as this. They are not the only people in the world that that do it. Atlassian, Splunk um, have a presence in the space as well. But they have some great clients. They are growing really quickly, um, and there's a lot of excitement around the company and its growth. And that's why you see the stock really pop on its first day of trading. Yeah, they went public at twenty-four dollars a share. It, as we're talking, it's up at around thirty-nine dollars. So a really nice um, uh, first day for for PagerDuty. It's a pretty interesting business. I've been digging through the S one, which is the the public filing when when you announce that you're going to go public. Um, they 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 specialize in this on-call. Management. So, like Ron said, they they call it incidents response. So, like they're really the software layer in there, trying to to monitor what's happening at the from all this all the digital signals that Ron mentioned, and then help the companies make sense of it. It's built by developers. Founded uh, it was founded by developers who used to be at Amazon. Um, the CTO and co-founder Alex Solomon owns more than seven percent of the stock. It, it's uh, CEO and co-chairwoman uh, Jennifer Tejeda. She owns more than six percent of the stock. So, really nice day for them. It's very heavily venture capital backed. Um, obviously, as a lot of these companies are, um, you know, it does more than a hundred million in revenue, and now maybe the the market cap is up near three billion dollars. So, um, kind of around there. So, a really a nice day for a company that's pretty interesting, and like Ron said, like competes with uh, Atlassian and has more than eleven thousand clients, including a third of the Fortune five hundred. So, it's it's playing in a really big space with a lot of excitement now. Estimated twenty five billion dollar um, potential market that these uh, companies are are selling into. Um, Company's not profitable, but 
it, it's only that they're losing only I want to say only around 40 million or so last year. That's not actually a big loss. They they probably with just a little bit of growth could could turn profitable, um, which one would hope with the three billion dollar valuation. Well, yeah, and they spend significant amount of dollars on uh, on research and development, yeah. north of 30 percent, which is exceptional. Uh, and and they're built. It's really a developing platform. I mean, they have more than 350,000 um, people who are tied into their pat paid clients who are uh, tied into their platform, and they're developers. And it's really trying to play and provide solutions in this uh, de de developer and operations, the DevOps space that allows these companies to collaborate and work closer together. That's a, that's a really hot space uh, right now that uh, investors and, um, and engineers are, are looking at. And guys, let's pull the lens back, because probably a good reminder here that the first day IPO pop well, that's not how it always plays out. We have Lyft, yep. which went public in late March, so just a few weeks ago. And it, it had a nice first day. Shares hit a high of around $88, and now they trade around $61, a new all-time low, well below the IPO price. Does Lyft and that IPO experience give us any caution, or does it tell us anything about PagerDuty? Yes, well, it tells you a lot about IPOs in general, which are all based, all stock pricing, in fact, is based on the supply and the demand of the stock. And sometimes the demand for an IPO gets a little bit out of whack with the realities of the business and the fundamentals of the business. Um, and sometimes, you know, it's hard to. It's a case by case basis. I'm not saying that's the case here with PagerDuty. And if if I was a CEO of a company and I found out that my investment bankers underpriced me by 50 percent, I might be a little bit angry about that actually, because I would want to capture more of that um, cash in the actual IPO price than just in the aftermarket. Um, so just be careful. Sometimes these de the demand is a is a little bit too hyped. Um, IPOs are somewhat hot right now. Uh, there's no real rush, especially for long term investors. There's nothing you feel like you're going to have to miss out on. It's fine to just watch a company and learn about it. Yeah, somewhat hot. Like they're smoking right now. I mean, like Lyft's performance was kind of a drag, but there's a lot of excitement in the IPO market right now. Um, and PagerDuty is one of the, these cloud-based companies that came out. I, I, Ron's right. Like you know, if you're if you're one of the companies and saying, "Wow, gosh, there's a little bit of money we left on the table." So it's a fine line in how they kind of price these. And actually, PagerDuty was originally priced at somewhere in the below twenty dollars. I think 19 to 20, and they ended up going at 24. And now the stock was, you know, up near the in the high 30s. So um, a, a kind of fine line in how you think about that. That's where you have to be a little bit careful when you're investing, because not all your stocks, your IPOs, when they come out public on day one, they're going to go up 60 percent. Okay, guys. Well, we were talking um, before the story about, um, and before we came on air about how bad the name is. So <laughs> as we wrap up here, I've got to ask you. What's the worst part of the name? Is it the pager or is it the duty? Because I genuinely don't know. I think they're both so bad. If you could only replace one of those words, what are you replacing? I would have to replace pager, to be honest with you, because it just it, it's it's just so such an old it's connotation. Um, you know, duty is fine. It's doing double duty. It's working overtime. It's okay. doing what it does. I don't know what pager is about. Okay, Andy. I'm going. I would change the second part of the name. The duty. the duty name. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. And I'm going to leave it out there. I'm just going to let that float out there, right? Yeah. There. I'm, I'm also a character, by the way, in Greece. Oh, duty. Nice. Yes. Just nice. bringing it full circle. Nice. Yeah. Teasing our final story. Ron Gross. Yeah. I'm getting rid of the pager. I'm with you, Ron. Shares of Tesla down on reports that Tesla and partner Panasonic have suspended their investment in the expansion of the Giga One 
factory. Now, that's Tesla's ginormous factory in Nevada, where they make the lithium-ion batteries. Guys, what does this mean for investors? Well, it's so. Let me get this straight. So they decided not to invest any more money, make a capital allocation decision to be careful with how they're spending money, and investors are all worried and selling the stock down. So to me, I'm looking at this saying, "Wow, if I want, if I'm looking for more kind of like, now I don't know if Elon made this decision or if Panasonic was like, no, we're not going to expand the factory next year. They were hoping to expand the factory by significant dollars next year, and now they're going to slow that down. So whether he made the decision or Panasonic forced the decision upon them, but still, they're not going to spend money that they are looking at the market and saying, wow, we're going to do 360,000 to 400,000 cars this year, maybe a little bit slower. We don't need that capacity right now, so we're going to pull back on our spending. I think it's a good decision if you're Tesla. So here's the thing. You get into an argument about with anyone about Tesla's valuation and say it's ridiculous for an electric car company to be valued where it is and they'll just they'll just fire back at you shaking your head it's not a car company how dare you it's much bigger than that it's an energy company it's going to change the way we think about many different industries right and back in the day they said the point of the gigafactory is to make Tesla into something more than an electric vehicle manufacturer the gigafactory is crucial to helping realize the company's mission one that goes way beyond just electric cars so if you see the Gigafactory being pulled back on. Maybe it's short term, maybe it's long term. I'm not sure. We'll have to see how it plays out. It has to make you question what is Tesla? Is it a car company or not? Are they slowing growth in the areas that are not car related? And what does that mean for valuation? Well, and we saw the first quarter or the projected first quarter sales numbers are not going to look so good compared to the fourth quarter. Some slowing growth there. And maybe a lot of that has to do with the subsidies that are going to be pulled back this year. So I just think, yes, they're looking at the market saying, we don't need that capacity. Let's not spend it until we actually need it. Granted, they are very forward-looking when it comes to trying to build this great business, as Ron said, in lots of different areas, not just in cars, but lots of different electric spaces. So, trying to figure out how to allocate capital when capital allocation and capital need for Tesla is a critical issue that investors focus a lot on. They're not going to spend the money right now. And guys, Jeff Bezos, Amazon CEO, is out with his annual letter to shareholders and He's feeling a bit feisty. This is a quote. Today, I challenge our top retail competitors, you know who you are, to match our employee benefits and our $15 minimum wage. Do it. Better yet, go to $16 and throw the gauntlet back at us. It's a kind of competition that will benefit everyone. So, that's from Bezos, and it didn't take long for Walmart to respond. This is Walmart's executive VP of corporate affairs, Dan Bartlett. He shot back. Hey, retail competitors out there, you know who you are. How about paying your taxes? Whoa. Andy, what do you think? It's, I think it's Yeah, I mean, I love that kind of conversation and debate. And I mean, obviously, Jeff Bezos is, he's in a very aggressive competitor, probably one of the um, most competitive CEOs out there. Um, and he went out there very publicly in his space. And in a letter, by the way, that had lots of good information in there, not just this. There was a lot of good stuff in there. And I should clarify that in 2018, Amazon paid zero dollars in U.S. federal income taxes, based on 11 billion dollars in profits, and that's because they had tax. We had the tax cut. We had carry-forward losses, tax credits. So there are multiple reasons, but they did not pay anything in federal income taxes in 2018. Yeah, compared to the likes of Walmart that pays a substantial amounts in taxes and has for years and years. So you know, I think he's throwing this gauntlet down because he cares so much about how they they 
pay their employees. And to come out boldly like that, like, yeah, hey, this is the way that Jeff Bezos kind of rolls. So I kind of like, and I'm, I, hey, I applaud Walmart for getting out there and throwing it back at him. Yeah. Um, besides from that, my takeaway from the letter was that. He wanted to give himself cover that he's going to be trying some big and bold things in the future, and they're not going to all work out. And they some of them might lead to billion-dollar losses or or hundred-million-dollar losses, like the Amazon uh, Fire Phone. Um, and he doesn't need uh, to give himself cover. Um, he can do what he wants. But I think he was just warning everyone, especially if you're going to own our stock, be prepared. I'm going to be making some big bets, and they're not all going to work out. Yeah, and to that point, Ron, I love this language, and it just shows you what a position of strength Amazon is in. When and here is his phrase. His phrase says that um, he said that we will quote occasionally have multi-billion-dollar failures. Yeah, and hopefully you'll have more multi-billion-dollar successes that will will offset. Otherwise, things are going to go badly quickly. Um, but but he's just warning, like we're going to be making some big bets. You know, uh, Buffett has talked about that. Warren Buffett has talked about this at Berkshire Hathaway. When you get that big and you have that much capital, and to move the needle, you can't just go picking around the edges. You got to swing for the fences. And I mean, Bezos has. He talked about the success they had by the third-party sellers in the market in his annual letter. So. He's to move that needle forward of Amazon. He's got to make those bets, and they won't all work out. But those that do, you know, his history is pretty good that it creates a lot of value for customers and for shareholders. Well, speaking of bets that may not work out. Our final story, a story that we are so excited about. Is that fair? <laughs> you are so excited. No, no, we are all excited. I know I know we're all Grease fans. Let's just let's just let's lead with the truth. Complete transparency. Well, Paramount is working on a prequel to the movie Grease. The prequel will be called Summer Loving. Woof. Okay, so for some context, is here, it loving or loving? I think loving. loving. I not like not a positive. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. So for some context, Greece, the original movie, comes out in 1978, earns 190 million in the box office, adjusted for inflation. That's almost 700 million dollars today. Okay, so that's a big number. Greece two earned only 15 million dollars, adjusted for inflation. Well, it's still really bad. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Okay, so Ron and Andy, we're all big fans of Greece. Why mess with perfection? <laughs> all right, so <laughs> well, they already didn't. They already did mess they did. with perfection. Again, all you have to know is that Greece Two is based on bowling. <laughs> is that true? Bowling was a big part of I it. Never I never saw Greece Two, and um, I will not see Greece Two. Instead of the big drag race, I think there was a big bowling competition, but I could be off on that. So. <laughs> Greece is based on a play of the same name, yes. right? And back in my younger days, I was a bit of a drummer, and I actually played the drums for this show in college. The theater department put on a production, and I was the drummer in the pit band. And so I literally know every note of every song, nice. every lyric nice. of this show, and it will always be near and dear to my heart. And the movie I thought was absolutely fantastic, and especially for the age I was in, with like you know, it was kind of the age of happy days. And the leather jacket and Fonzie, and then these guys show you. Zuko shows up with his leather jacket and Kaniki. It was amazing. Kaniki is May is Kaniki and Rizzo, two, the two most underrated characters you think? <laughs> I mean, Ron mentioned Duty earlier, and yeah. I'm like, yeah. I don't know. I, I'd forgotten he was even in it. No, he was part of the Thunderbirds. No, I remember him now. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's good, Andy. <laughs> I, I, I like Ron's. Talk, I was just. I mean, Olivia Newton-John. I mean, like Sandy's character for me. Uh, you know, right up there with Farrah Fawcett and Lisa. Tell me about like, it, Steve. I was just. Yeah. Tell I mean, me about like, it. Just hopelessly devoted to. Sarah, it was good stuff. You know, Sandy there. You know, speaking of, I this will probably not shock you. I was a big Olivia Newton-John fan, and when I was a kid, I collected autographs and collected primarily baseball and football autographs, but celebrity autographs too. And somehow, my older brother and I had this address list where you could write celebrities. It was usually through their agents or their publicist. But I spent, I was probably ten years old. I spent the better part of a day writing Olivia Newton-John. <laughs> <laughs> and I was I was at our table, and oh, I was just I'm writing, so sorry, man. I was writing, dear Olivia, and I had some some photos I had torn out of magazines Newton? that I was going to have her sign. And my mom is a saint, and I spent probably two or three hours working on this letter. And I remember my mom <laughs> finally coming in, and basically saying. <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> oh, Ms. Greer, I, you're a good woman. I, I think I think I think you need to kind of get outside. You need to let it go. And yeah. and she was right. Yeah. And I know that your job as a parent is to worry about your kid. And I probably was a little unhealthy yeah. in yeah. my and kind like, of obsession. Very or, or yes. very devoted. But I will say I've got yeah. I've got autographed photos of Olivia Newton John somewhere. Now now you know the question that people may have about like, you know, your early Elvis, are you kind of like late fat Elvis like fan? Like were you like <laughs> Were you Sandy early in the movie fan, or were you Sandy oh, late in the movie fan? It's a great question. Well, I will tell you that I was Olivia Newton-John, have you never been mellow fan, and that predates Grease. Yeah, you do. Okay. So then, then I, I gotta say, I'm probably Sandy. I'm early Sandy. Early Sandy. Yeah. When when, when Frenchie got got her and helped her, you know, <laughs> leather her out a little bit and you know used her beauty school background. Yeah. That was that was special. I'm just glad she didn't give her Frenchie's hair. That's what I was worried about. Now, can we agree though that the that the, the, the the ending is really bad when they fly off in the car yeah. into the air. Terrible. That would I mean, that's happen. like, you that got to rewrite that. Happen. That's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. So, here's my idea for a Grease movie, if you're going to do it, okay? It's Grease the later years. And and you have them. So, so Zuko is, is now Travolta around 60. Yeah. yeah um, Olivia Newton John was actually older when they filmed Grease. So, she, she's around 70 now. And it begins with like Danny and Sandy at Home Depot. And they're getting frustrated because they can't get someone to help them. And then maybe you cut to them like talking asset allocation. They're nearing retirement. They're having a debate about fixed income versus equities. Come on, is Travolta have a hair? No, or no hair. Yeah, yeah. And, he, and there's nightlife. They've got like a low speed vehicle or a golf cart. There's some socializing. Prius, but it's more realistic. And they talk about their health maladies no. and all of that. All right, back to the original. I'm a fan of the idea of a prequel, but it's all in the execution. It could be amazing. No. It's likely not going it's to be. be Summer before they rediscover each uh, other. Give it a chance. No, you can't. Do you think is, is there going to be music? I don't know, but you're messing with perfection. I don't need that summer spelled out for me. I mean, I know our engineer I, is so bored. Yeah, it is. Okay, well let's let's let's. Speaking of Dan Boyd, you you're of a different generation. So, what do you think of Greece? And then follow up question: What do you think about this discussion we just had? Uh, well, uh, Greece is a movie, and I've seen it. Uh, it has songs. Some of them are good. Some of them aren't as good. <laughs> and I've heard them. 
I, I happened to share a birthday with Olivia Newton-John. Uh, so nice. I, what so day I, is that? What day? Uh, September 26th. Oh. Nice. The Christmas in September, we I'm call sure it. Mac knew that right nice. now. Is this the nice. best podcast you've ever heard or yeah, the greatest this, podcast you've ever heard? I, I, you know, anybody who knows Mac Greer understands that he is a rabid fan of 70s TV and film. True. And as a person who was born in the decade after the 70s, I have no connection whatsoever to any of it. Uh, so this discussion for me has been both interesting and titillating. <laughs> and, and Dan, have you never been mellow? Uh, I, I'm feeling pretty mellow right now. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Okay, I think we've done it. Okay, good. Okay, so the desert island question. Here you go. As we wrap up, if you're on a desert island for the next five years, you're looking at one of these stocks. What are you going with? We've got Pager Duty, terrible name. We've got Lyft. We've got Tesla. We've got Amazon, and let's throw in Greece the prequel. Uh, I'm going to say Pager Duty. I actually here's my prediction. I think within three years, Atlassian will buy Pager Duty. Oh, that's interesting. And change the name. And change. Well, won't, they'll yeah. have to. Good. I'm sticking with Bezos and Amazon. Okay. Well, you can always email us at marketfoolery.fool.com with your questions, your comments, your flames. Um, let us know what you would rather see: Summer Loving, a prequel to Greece, or Greece the Later Years. Sunset loving. Andy, Ron, thanks for joining me. Thank you, thanks, Mac. Mac. Always a pleasure. As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Mac Greer. Thanks for listening. Grease is the world. That was great, but you are, you have got to be kidding me that you think that people would want to watch Retirement Home, Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta go, go around complaining. Listen, do you know the success of the Golden Girls back in the day? I, I am aware that it was a successful show, yes. Golden Girls is a big hit. Okay. Sunset loving. You added the phrase retirement home. They're they're in their sixties, so they're playing for maybe, retirement. Maybe maybe retirement community. No, you said going around in a golf what, cart though. A Fifty-five well, and older. Gonna, you community. don't have you can have a golf cart and not but, be in a but, retirement but, home. Oh,